Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we start sobbing if you ask us for more fruit cocktail as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 142nd episode in the series, Sister of the Bride. I love this one. I think I think I actually like this one better than the original Clayton episode, possibly. Me I too. Actually. I, li- I like them. I like them both. Probably this one just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But it's exciting because it's uh, this is the, um, you know, the the marriage equality, basically, uh, you know, speech. What was it like? 13 years before the first state actually had marriage equality and 24 years before the federal government did it like holy shit this is pretty progressive yeah (laughs) incredibly progressive so um the only the other funny thing is that this i totally forgot was the dead 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 muffin (laughs) it's so good i mean like competitive roads by itself is just like i know always gonna lift up any episode but you have this you also have rose like being like the Susan Lucci of the volunteer vanguard, like nominated seven times. Yes. She never oh my wins. God, you're like, right. What a great reference. Good job. <laughs> thank you. And you know, her competitiveness is like on overdrive because like she must win. And I, I just feel like, you know, the more she loses, the worse it gets. So like, oh that's God, such a great B story. Oh, it's amazing. Um, We, we haven't actually seen competitive Rose that like recently we've seen you know like we've seen like putting the pressure on miles for doing stuff rose but it hasn't been quite in this vein where she's like totally just a jerk (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's kind of great i guess like the ice skating was the last time but that was sort of her being competitive with herself so it doesn't seem as like yeah it wasn't as intense debilitating i don't know (laughs) this is pretty good (laughs) (laughs) seriously um but yeah, so there's there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of good stories in this, right? There's actually like three major mm-hmm. stories here, which is really exciting. And, you know, starting off with this, you know, a similar like taste for, you know, the latter uh, half of the Golden Girls series of like Sophia really kind of being a total jerk to Dorothy. Um, and, but I got to say, I love that you, you're sort of like, Dorothy doesn't find out until way later, like what her mother... <laughs> has done for her and there's all these like clues it's kind of a fun mystery um but in the beginning you know she actually references before she goes over to the phone right she references like a tiny little like half letter size like yellow and brown legal pad for the phone number she's gonna call and it's great because it's like i feel like my dad's (laughs) office had like four million of those in the 90s like it's just perfectly (laughs) very classic (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it was like of the time it was really great Remember when they're really um the phone number my god yeah <laughs> the yellow pages um <laughs> uh they are loving sophia on the phone this is like the second episode where they they oh, open yeah. with her on the phone and i feel like estelle getty is like noticeably getting better from particularly from like early seasons about like the one-sided conversations mm-hmm. um which totally makes sense because coming from like a theater background like there's probably not much of that that happens on the stage you know like right that's not like so over, you know, because it's it's so sort of like theatrical and over the top the delivery. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Like this is the second time that we're seeing that uh, in in recent episodes, yeah. um, and it's funny because she's like, you're putting it together when when Sophia or Dorothy's like, um, I wish I could do this much for charity, and <laughs> Sophia's like, you yeah, will. I wish I worked. 
I wish I worked this hard for charity. Yeah. And like, she's, you know, in Dorothy's head, I think she's like, when I'm older and I have like, no work, like I'm retired, like I will. And, you know, Sophia's like, yeah, it's so great. Essentially it's like great offering her. Yeah. It's a great double meeting. It's so good. You will, Pussycat. You will. <laughs> I also love how business-like she's on the phone. She's like, I'll set it up. Just all of the organization is great. The timing of Dorothy walking in the room, all of that. It's perfect. Thanks, um, flowers. <laughs> oh yeah. So great. Um, but uh so so anyway, we lead right into actually the, the kitchen establishes all three different stories, which is amazing. So, you know, Blanche comes in and she it's funny because like, you know, she has time has passed since, you know, Clayton came out to her and you know, she sort of resolves it at the end of the episode, but then now she has sort of like a a relapse a bit <laughs> into like, you know, as time has passed, she hasn't exactly grown in her estimation of him. She's sort of still hanging on to him being straight, essentially. Um, so it's interesting. It's like, it's not exactly a perfect line for the character development, but in order to set up almost the exact same conflict in this episode they kind of have to have her go back a little bit you know yeah um, yeah to like to really just be like almost like reset the clock and, and this one's slightly different because you know it's it's great with like rose says it clayton says it of like you can't just like accept that i'm gay but like not accept that i'm gonna fall in love or like have a relationship you know it's, it's the whole package here so um so there is a slight, you know, slightly different tone in terms of like what we're trying to convince Blanche of, um, which I think is also realistic. I think that there are obviously everything is a, a gray area and a spectrum and people who can't handle um, queer relationships can have acceptance in like various pieces of it and particularly be against a public proclamation of being gay. Yeah, and I think this is a really, um, I think this is a great episode for a couple reasons, but I think it really sort of, um, like, Blanche's reaction is definitely front and center, like, initially, but I think this sort of, like, a an underlying tone, which I think definitely comes from having, you know, so many gay writers, um, and actually in Jim Colucci's book, uh, they talk about how the writers always wanted to, like, pitch a story, but it would be, like, whatever the plot was, and then Twist would be, like, and he's gay, like, she's dating someone, <laughs> and he's gay, like, so they're, they're really trying to weave it in, um, but I think that this, uh, one of the other like sort of powerful pieces in this is that it really shows that you never you never stop coming out and like people think of the process of coming out like to your family for example of this one sort of you know like heavy big conversation but yeah. the thing is like when you're telling them that you're dating someone you're coming out again and like that happens for your whole right. life that you're like constantly right. coming out in these different ways and like it definitely gets easier for a lot of people but um but when you have somebody like Blanche, like it, it doesn't like it's not necessarily like right. I think Clayton's more sure he's of himself and he's in a better again. place. He's going through the whole thing again. And he's also like, again, basically having to convince her that he's gay. Like, it's not like she's like, I don't you know, she's not outwardly like, no, I can't accept that exactly. But it's like, no, this is this is real. And like being gay means dating men. And so, you know, like it's this whole thing. And um you know, I think particularly at, at this time, like, it's such a, 
a big thing to be out in public with your partner and like at this banquet where Blanche knows people like you know it's so it's always about Blanche being embarrassed like the same thing with um with Rebecca when she wants to have the baby and, and all of these like you know other pieces like Blanche cares so much about her reputation um right. and like the image that she's built but um I don't know I feel like that's a real sort of like part of the queer experience that like definitely people you know are aware of and talk about but um you just like constantly are reliving and and I don't know like coming out like sucks like even if it goes well it's still like such an incredibly vulnerable position to put yourself in and so um you know I I just think that they do a really good job with like portraying this other piece of it that um I think is not super focused on when you're talking about like coming out stories yeah exactly I think yeah that's right especially since we have seen the sort of first coming out paired with it right I think that that's really interesting of like it's it's uh I love the point about like the gay writers on staff because this storyline will would likely have not come from uh a whole room full of straight people uh at this time (laughs) so that's really interesting but it's so funny too like the the support and you know saying that you support um you know a, a queer uh relative of yours or a friend of yours or something you know it's the same as this like it's like public or private allyship right like you can say it's you know it's the same republican nonsense of like oh i went to my gay son's wedding but then i voted against other gay people (laughs) you're just like i can't i can't say that i support you in front of my friends you know in front of everybody i know at the hospital you know you can't have my daughter can't have a baby by artificial insemination but you know privately in our house i can say (laughs) it's like it's the same thing and you're like you're fucking full of shit like how is that even but like a lot of people believe that that's okay you know right Um, so yeah i think it's yeah the 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 multiple comings out is really fascinating um and yeah this episode does it really well and to your point clayton's so much more sure of himself as a person as a gay man you know and he's in a relationship and all this stuff so like he kind of presents it and he doesn't he doesn't freak out um he doesn't have this like at least visible stress that he does in the first episode where the whole episode he is just toiling you know with this decision and like just you know now now he's just like well you know fuck you if you if you don't support me (laughs) yeah and he's still like he's still so like charming and like there is you know we talked about this in the last episode when um chris from uh golden girls posters was on but like there's so much weirdness with Blanche and Clayton and it's like oh they're southern like whatever (laughs) even so that makes when Rose is like brothers can't marry sisters like that makes it so much better (laughs) because there is like a little bit of like you're so beautiful oh god it's weird but like you know um all they and ever like, wanted I, to do was go see Gladiator movies. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> there are all these signs of like Clayton, like, you know, we still don't really know like when he figured it out himself. Um, but like, I, I think like the, the being more sure of himself is probably from largely, you know, like I'm sure Doug plays a role, but also from like living, I assume like an out gay man, like, you know, like yeah. I feel like he's in a different place which is also really just progressive I think of showing him again because I feel like the you know like the formula for sitcoms was like okay we'll have a gay character and it'll be really and like that's it it's like one and done exactly yeah and they, they choose to bring him back and they also choose to like go back into the gay storyline which like 
is a really I just I do think it's so from first firsthand experience to um, be yeah. able to write this and like to um, just to understand that like it's not after you come out once and they're like okay like it's often not great after that again and like there is this idea yeah. that like which I think was like an argument when um when equal marriage was up was like you can do whatever you want behind closed doors but like I don't need to see it and it's like nobody's asking you to bear witness to like bareback gay sex in front of you <laughs> if that's not what you're after but like bending over backwards <laughs> Yeah, like you can be walking down the street with your partner if they're the same sex. Like, you know, like so I, I feel like that whole argument like didn't We're even doing move from else this time. Straight people do in public. Like fuck Exactly. Fuck. Yeah, right. Straight people aren't running around doing that. <laughs> oh my God. Straight people are grosser in public. Christ. Damn. I don't need to see that. Yeah. Uh, don't hold they... hands, honestly. Please stop it. PSA. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Um but yeah, I think like, um, yeah, they, they really take the, what am I trying to say? I, it's, it's just like, like you said, it, it just takes like another level and it approaches, it approaches it in a very fair way in terms of like, yes, it's from Blanche's perspective and the struggle, but I really enjoy how Clayton and Doug, like Doug also was just like, I'm not gonna like, I'm going to be nice and cordial to you and I hope it works out, but guess what? We're choosing each other over your bigotness. You know, like I, like it's, it's just not, we're not going to compromise who we are to smooth things over with family. And I think that that's really great. Yeah. <laughs> just really, I'm just like proud of both of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it is great. And I mean, like, even from like, you know, there are some things that are, um, so of the time, like when Clayton introduced him as his very special friend, um, yeah. and you know it's kind it's of very, on them very to of the time, <laughs> kind of like on them to do the calculus. No, and of course, like Rose doesn't get it when she's like, they, get, they became such good friends from here to the airport. I know like, exactly. What are, what are you doing bringing Ferris from the airport? Oh my gosh! And speaking <laughs> of of the time, Doug is a cop. Whoa! I know. <laughs> I totally forgot Ugh. that. Holy a village shit, person. Man yeah <laughs> but that honestly like making him a cop okay, also That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, so um making him a cop i feel like well yeah definitely of the time but also like i feel like police at this time because people are silly are like kind of held up as like it, there's like a masculinity to it that's definitely yeah. toxic but like that we don't we're not calling toxic at this point so right. i think that that's also kind of in line with when later dorothy's like you should be thrilled he's in a monogamous yes. relationship yes. like you okay, should be so thrilled let's it's dive like in there let's yeah in there, it's i think you're let's so talk right. about it the cop choice is very specific because it is this like He's not a nurse. He's not an interior decorator. He's not a caterer <laughs> or an assistant on the verge of collapse, right? Like he is very specifically this very particular picture of an 80s cop who's just like, I am like so mainstream. I've got the mustache and everything, right? And it's like, he doesn't have any affects. He's very, um, he's just, yeah, he's very traditionally masculine presenting, which like at this time, if you looked at it, you're like, well, he can't be gay, right? Like that, right. you know, he's a cop. 
mask for mask yeah uh, totally that's but anyway exactly let's, start, let's dive in tell, tell me what you were talking about like let's talk about the the dorothy line later where where she says you should be thrilled he's in a monogamous relationship well so i mean i think both of these examples of like um doug being such a masculine presenting um you know quote unquote like doing gender correctly um that's a thing in the community even now i think like there's a it's definitely better but i feel like there is this like weird sort of prejudice against like quote unquote like feminine men of of i would say for millennials and older <clears throat> i think gen z is okay. much further progressed on that and like not as rigid about gender saying, presentation are you feminine men uh, in any like sort of category or you mean specifically gay feminine no i think specifically gay men yes. gay men are a little like there's a uh you know, like, I think a prejudice against, like, feminine men, um, and that's why, like, mask for mask was, like, a thing, and, like, that's why, yeah, like, totally. these, like, masculine men are, like, the picture of it. I think it's, I definitely think it's evolved, but I yeah. definitely think there's but a yeah, bit of that still in the community. For sure, for sure. Um, so it just, it really lines up with, uh, something, um, when we talked to Elliot Powell, um, a few years ago at this point, actually, uh, you can find the interview on enoughbooker.com. <laughs> um, so literally 2020, holy cow. I know, it's nuts. Um, so anyway, like he was talking about uh, when marriage equality was sort of being discussed on a national level. Um, and one of the the sort of framing tactics was like gay people should be able to get married because they are just like straight people. And so it's like we take this heteronormative picture and we put gay people in it and we're like, see, like we're just like you, like love is love. Um, and the thing about that is that it's effective for sure. But also then it creates this um this sort of system of ranking like what's good and what's bad. And he he references Gail Rubin's um, Thinking Sex essay that talks about like, you know, good and quote unquote good and quote unquote bad and um, what we accept for society. And the thing is like monogamous sort of monogamous relationships period are easier to accept for society than like polyamory or like kink or you know any of these other things so right, right, in right. order for gay relationships to gain legitimacy they had to be put into this box um and i think you know dorothy like certainly is a pillar of of progressive views at this point but even then is like you should be thrilled he's in a monogamous relationship which is of course because of the aids pandemic but also yeah, there's a like, lot of a lot of other things going on there but yeah for sure but like it's still like how great is it that he's fitting into this box you know like that's still a, the pervasive message under there right. and right. um i think that's still true today like so much of our i'm reading a book right now about how like so much of our social um and the thus like governmental policies are rooted in this idea of family which is like a social construct and we still are like yeah but you know like everything it, it's still this idea that like some relationships are good and some things should be accepted as long as they fit into this structure we've built for them um and you know there's a little bit of progress there as well i think but like for the most part we're still only accepting of monogamous relationships for everybody, I think. So um, so we've moved a bit, but I think that Dorothy's point here is very like it's 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 layered, but I do think it's worth calling out. Absolutely. And I love the, you know, when when you were talking about how Elliot Powell was, Powell was talking about when marriage equality was hitting the scene, right? <laughs> In terms of like legislation <laughs> that, you know, people who were 
for it, of course, had to fit into this box, but people who not necessarily were against it, but there were that a lot of queer scholars and activists um, that like were worried <laughs> that it was, we're going to ignore everything else, right? That's like, you have, like to your point, you have to make, make yourself into straight people. <laughs> so, but I love the idea of like talking about the family aspect because that's the, the golden girls itself is subverting the family aspect right like especially even like the conversations where the girls are going to like adopt somebody or like take a child in and raise them all together right just like these like four women in a house of course they all are you know they're white they're straight they're cisgender like there's so many things that are on their side in terms of like in their charmed circle um not necessarily sexual but um but in terms of like how it would be accepted, right? Um, for them to like have that sort of structure of family. So it's, yeah, it's it's just, it's really interesting. <laughs> it's like the, it, it's almost when Dorothy makes that argument, she has to, she has to meet Blanche where she is, right? So right. it's like, that's why she's sort of pitching like, hey, he's like basically straight. <laughs> right. Know? It's like, it's basically a straight marriage, but still it's like, yeah, it, with, with our hindsight and knowing what we know now, it's not as progressive as it sounds. Right. And I think at the time it was like one, sometimes I think it's just about convincing people and like, you have to win. So like we had to get marriage equality to get anything else on the board. So like, I oh, don't for sure, for sure. necessarily fault people for that and including Dorothy. But I think that like, you know, that's because of that. I think that's why, um, you know, all of these like sort of anti-trans policies are popping up across the country and really like trans, particularly trans women of color, like started the movement. And yet, like we've kind yeah, of left the them behind. Yep, exactly. Right. So it's like, you know, and that I think is just and that's with the hindsight of this time. So I don't expect Dorothy Spornak in the early 90s to be, you know, out here advocating for, for trans rights. But like it is yeah. we should we definitely need to call out that it's like not, you know, that's they're literally like, and I think that's also part of the masculinity because it's like, look, they both look like attractive men. They, neither one of them is wearing like, they're not dressing like Phil. Like, I think that that's a selling <coughs> oh point gosh, of yeah, like getting her to be accepted, you know? Totally. They're not dressing like Phil, you know? And it's like, yeah, put, put Phil who is in a heterosexual or was, RIP um in a heterosexual <laughs> marriage <laughs> um and and had like children and like was a was a quote unquote traditional man by every means except for this one factor but if he's dressing like that and then you put him next to Clayton and Doug Clayton and Doug look like the most white bread you know plain ass american dudes <laughs> it's really yeah totally yeah <laughs> but yeah i i just it, it's really interesting to to really think about again like i said at the top of like just in the just in marriage equality in general and how groundbreaking sophia's little speech is you know um and yeah. also when i watch it with the with the benefit of hindsight too it's like you're just listening to it again where it's like blanche immediate again it's a sitcom she has to answer quickly but like blanche immediately is like oh yeah, this is why I married George. Like, duh. You know, and she like says it off the top of her tongue and can't make the connection that like, that's what her brother wants as well. Like, it's right. kind of funny <laughs> to like, think about it. But like, hey, there's a million people like Blanche that are still actively working against um, gay marriage and, and any sort of equality in the queer space because that's how they think. They, they're like, well, this is for me. 
but not for you, you know? <laughs> so right. Anyway, I thought it was really fascinating of like, you're like, Blanche, how can you, like, it's actually not that groundbreaking of a speech. <laughs> I'm just like, you're like, okay, you like marriage. Why did you do it? Yeah, I liked it for this. It's like, yeah, that's what they want to. The end. That's literally the fucking speech. And yet it is so <laughs> groundbreaking yeah. for people. Yeah, it's very a uh, man in a wheelchair satisfies a woman. Like it's like a literal. Like there's no, there's no metaphor it's a there. Story, but I think it makes my point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking great analogy. But you know, the other thing is like Blanche is having trouble accepting it internally for sure. But it's so about like, it's so about the perception of Clayton and thus the perception of herself of other from other totally. people because like. They talk about like, well, one, they talk about um uh what's his name? Um, Doug doing the Betty Davis impression. So like I just oh like God, so great. many clear, like this is written by gay people. Um, <laughs> um, but when she's like freaking out about the sleeping arrangements, when they go for a walk and Sophia's like, Oh, look, they're skipping. They're skipping where she's like, Don't you know oh he snores and you're like yeah they sleep together but she's like that'll be our little secret so don't tell anybody he snores because then it implies that you're sleeping in the same bed and you're just like dude yeah i mean does not get it from the beginning from like the All sleeping the arrangements end, yeah yeah oh my god that one's so funny i'll just be right along if you could just <laughs> oh my god it's <laughs> incredible oh my goodness but yeah i think um Ugh, I, I just yeah it's really <laughs> she doesn't really fully get it at the end you could almost have a third episode in this sequence right like of just like I don't know I don't think the time was necessarily ready for it but like them adopting a child or like something I don't know you know like or even the wedding on. the wedding could have been an episode yeah that's true the wedding that's right that's right exactly could I use another wedding even though we have a different one coming up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> never enough wedding episodes <laughs> exactly exactly um but um but yeah I think it's yeah it's really kind of fascinating and I mean you know, a lot of people were not ready for this I mean you you mentioned you know you were reviewing the Jim Colucci book about this episode there's an interesting little tidbit in there yeah so um they basically talk about how the the writers talk about how they get um you know for the most part they got a lot of fan mail like loving the show blah 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 but they of course got some really nasty hate mail after this episode um and there's a letter that's in there that's quoted where this person uses the f word and it's just like you're basically like ruining society by promoting this and you know to be honest like that hasn't evolved so much like the sort of vitriol that comes from these people who hate queer people for no reason other than like their own you know, insecurity or well, whatever yeah, it is. Themselves. I don't understand. They hate themselves. That's all. That's right. All it has to be. I mean, it's just but like, like, it's so vitriolic to your point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to read the letter, but if you have the book, book, it's worth referencing. And it's just like, you know, that also, I, I, again, like I do think the, the writers really deserve and the producers and the network, really everybody for like putting this on yeah, the air at the time. Like this is big, this is a big deal. And like, you know, I think that the Golden Girls have queer messaging and queer storylines before this, obviously. But I do think when you bring up marriage, which for some reason people are so like touchy about because like you said like it's for me not for you like that 
definitely sets people off yeah or what you were saying before of just like why do you have to parade it in front of everybody which is the same thing you know the same thing that blanche says of course right it's like why do, why do they have to go tell the whole world you know <laughs> it's just like it's really there's so much like just i what I, I just feel like there's so much that is embedded in people's brains that like they can't they they have such an emotional visceral reaction and to your point is super vitriolic and like i don't even know if it's always really necessarily connected to religion right which is also like just insane of like the <laughs> how anti uh gay like you know Christ certain christians purport to be and then it's just like <laughs> totally ignoring the part of the bible that's like really clear about if you are rich you will go to hell but anyway um it's it, i i don't even know if it's necessarily that it's just this human like this human quality where it's like almost impossible to change if you don't open up that part of yourself to like being open to change or exploring things and it, a lot of it's like intellect you're just like no this is wrong like i was told this, this is how it was brought up it makes me uncomfortable at the end i'm not gonna, i'm gonna cut myself off from any sort of exploration or asking the question why I feel that way. And I feel like it's like, I feel like a three-year-old could just get at the bottom of it and just keep going. Why? Why do you feel that way? Why do you think that? Right. And then like, there'd be like, after like two questions, there'd be no good answer. <laughs> and it's, but yet it just produces so much hate and continues to produce so much hate because it's different than however their brain is structured. And it's really, it's, it's one of the saddest things about humans and this world that we live in. <laughs> So. Yeah, and I, I can't remember where what episode we were talking about sin, but something recently, and we we're talking about bullies. And I think that like bullies have this this sort of reaction to somebody living their authentic life and like not seeking approval from yeah. what the bullies so after approval from, you know, and they can't I, I feel like it's the same thing, like what gives you license to be so authentically yourself? And I think that is that's what I think the crux of people's issue with trans and gender non-conforming yeah. people is now yeah. is like, why are you able to not fall into these rigid societal standards that like I, you know, that I believe in or whatever. And like so much to your point, like so much of that is not explored because like, why do you believe in those? And like, who told you that, you know, like all of these things are so it's so not real and the way that people process and, and sort of like, react is just so hateful without any real like intellectual reason for it um and you know we can't can't really fix that I certainly can't fix that here but I do think it's kind of the same thing here even when Blanche when they're at the banquet and she's like fire like you know she's just like so oh, totally. intent on people not seeing him and thus not seeing her as somebody who has a gay brother um so it's always you know like She's definitely centering herself. She's definitely like only worried about her own sort of reputation yep. here. Even when Clayton and Doug are both like, no, we're like, we're gay. We're out. You know, like that's yeah. not, she doesn't care about that. And she, you know, she does this tactic too, where she's like worried for them of like, why would you, why would you live this way when so many people can be so hateful? And then he has this awesome comeback. He's like, oh, like my sister, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, That's ah, such a good scene. It's incredible. It's such a great scene. And it's like, she has no response to that because there is no response to that. And it's exactly what you're doing. And it's exactly what millions of families do to queer people. And it's just ridiculous. 
um when you were saying that like at the crux of it is like people not like wanting people to live their authentic life to live as authentically as as they could be and to be free in that yeah it reminded me of of the writer performer um alok you know alok yeah L okay um they're like you know the uh, for anybody who doesn't know you should look them up they're a gender non-conforming like author poet i think they're a comedian too <laughs> just like, activist I, yeah yeah activists like they are on so many podcasts and so many other just like forms of media and they keep popping up um a lot they also wrote a book called beyond or beyond the gender binary i mean there's there's a lot going on but like i read i i read i listened to a podcast with them and they were talking about you know, especially non-binary people, uh, trans people and non-binary people of just like the the people think that they need permission. You're just like how what you know, basically like people who are consumed with hate about these people existing are basically like, you know, I how how can you just rewrite the rules and do whatever you want? <laughs> like they, right. you know I mean? like <laughs> they like the the people full of hate feel so compelled and constricted by rules that you know if they're a man they're not allowed to cry or if they're a woman they have to like you know be supportive of men or whatever fucking bullshit that like everybody prescribes to and that we all absorb as part of our up upbringing in this sort of sick culture we have and and people who are non-binary and who people who are transgender and and everybody who can live as their authentic self and and represent themselves as they see themselves in society have done the work right it's kind of like what i was saying before like people just like they just stop thinking or stop trying to think or don't even think that they need to think right everything is just is and it this is how it is this is how it always was and always shall be right like that's such a big conservative thing <laughs> just right like exactly on to the structure and but these people have done the work to understand exactly who they are and and uh meaning not the people who are hateful <laughs> right <laughs> exactly people who are hateful are essentially jealous of that of that presentation so anyway i mean you you know you and aloka are uh, definitely share share that vibe <laughs> share that yeah vibe. i mean i think that's i i, I didn't make it up i got it from them and like other messaging but like I love it. yeah like that's, did, that's you totally did it. You're, you're your own scholar no, I'm <laughs> yeah thank you so much yeah. Yeah, your um way. anyway i just switching gears ever so slightly um another thing in the Colucci book is they talk about how that bit um when <laughs> Clayton and Doug announced that they're getting married how the Betty White's response is just written as oh 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 but she <laughs> just they were like we knew she was gonna take that and like that Wait, is just mean, like, uh, oh period oh period yeah oh, that's period. how it's written and then oh like it's just so <laughs> they were like we we wrote it like that but we totally knew that she was gonna do she something was incredible with her. it and like wow does she ever (laughs) so great so great so good she yeah she's golden here because even though you know rose is so consumed with her own um competition and like so against this this dead woman and you know what i i feel the same way rose like she doesn't need a reward she's on her mantle you know uh i think it's bullshit but um i do she does sort of 
you know, stop into like, you know, she pops into these conversations, obviously, with that joke, too. But even in the beginning where she was like, she's the first one that sort of says to Blanche, like, you can't very well have accepted him. Say you accepted him when you don't accept that he dates. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. kind of awesome that she just brings out that sort of basic, um, you know, uh, POV uh, for everyone, which is great. Yeah, so. she often is sort of, I feel like in these situations, oddly, probably from working in the the industry that she does like she often is sort of the voice of reason at least initially yeah, um exactly. and then she goes rose <laughs> and she goes rose nice pun that's great mm-hmm. yeah thank um, you yeah exactly um okay so where where which tack do we want to have we have a we have a lot of uh i guess we can we can just continue on some of the really funny pieces of the clayton doug story you mentioned a lot of them of like the skipping and like basically like sophia winding up blanche yeah it's funny <laughs> i really love the like i bet you do undercover work and i bet he does it <laughs> damn well yeah <laughs> and then of course and the they're also backwards, the bend over backwards and they're also working the dorothy and um sophia line like when Dorothy's like left her a complete burden like Dorothy's so worried about what Sophia's gonna say here (laughs) exactly if I may be frank (laughs) (laughs) oh incredible but I honestly the best line of like the retort from Sophia being you know it's so funny because we just saw Sophia really struggling with Phil but like is totally accepting you know she's always accepting of Jean she's been accepting of any gay person that's come her way um albeit she'll make cracks about it because she knows it like plays against you know what the the usual culture but i really love the like there must be homosexuals who date women yeah they're called lesbians it is (laughs) so perfect it's like it's just like if that line contains so much because it's really funny it happens very quickly and it is actually pointing out like Blanche being like so shielded from this community of being like, yes, and women love women. Like you, you've we've been through this, Blanche. <laughs> like they're they're yeah, also you got it. Like, the <laughs> other side. It's like, oh, it's really, it's really fantastic. Um I'm very, I'm very pleased that like Sophia does get to have a lot of levity here. And also that she gets to be, you know, she's the oldest and she gets to be the one who makes like the sort of quote unquote progressive speech, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, I love, I mean, there's so like, it really is like such a great setup for, for jokes. Um, I love when Rose is like, I think they make a lovely couple. Well, they certainly make a husky couple. Like She's like, so they're all trying to respond to it in a way that's like, Based in acceptance, though, like Sophia and Rose and Dorothy, obviously Blanche is having her own moment about it. But like the jokes, I think that's also the like why I like this episode so much is like the jokes about them being gay, like aren't it? It's not like mean, like even the oh, look, they're skipping like that's funny. And like a gay person would make that joke about other gay, you know, like, I don't know. There's something about it that's like so clearly these people are like in the club that like it doesn't none of it reads like mean to me like it's all funny (laughs) but i mean a lot of that is from the gay writers right exactly yeah totally can you think of anything in the initial clayton episode um like scared straight where like is there anything super insulting in that same fashion or no no i don't not that i can recall and it's not even that i would you know be expecting that but i guess like the thing is like they're all 
I don't know. They're making jokes like somebody who's friends with gay people, I guess, like the girls are. And um, I think that that is from having gay writers for sure. But it's also because like, I think that that happens when it's not that big of a deal anymore. You know, like, I feel like you can make a joke about like a gay guy skipping if you're friends with him. And like, it's, I don't know. I just, I think that there is sort of this, um, camaraderie that has to exist for those jokes to be funny and to to seem like oh yeah you get it you know like like a i i definitely get that from this yeah 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 i think that's interesting i you know it's so funny the um (laughs) it it is like there there this show does as as we pointed out has a lot of lines in it that are like okay that didn't age well but they really do, and again, probably because gay writers, they do a lot of the the gay storylines really well. And it's also like presenting, you know, the the show, this show contains a lot of like jokes made at others' expenses. And and a lot of times it's the girls themselves who are all straight. Um, so it's nice that they sort of show like, okay, yeah, we can, we can, you know, gay people are human too. We can take a joke. <laughs> you know, we know that parts of it um are funny to talk about right to, to talk about like a betty davis impression or you know skipping around yeah <laughs> it's kind of really interesting and yeah, how you just one when clayton asked for more fruit cocktail so good come on that's such a good line um just to go back really quickly to the charm circle bit too when yeah. blanche is like what are the neighbors gonna think when if there's two men in my bedroom and oh, sophia's yeah, like they'll think it's talk- tuesday yeah, exactly exactly hello like I mean, she's allowed totally to have these not... crazy threesomes <laughs> totally and she like blanche herself is the one that's kind of like way more outside of that charm circle right there's a lot of things she she does from a sexual pov that are not sort Hey-o. of condone <laughs> condoned by the state you know um as is like the yeah. definition of charm circle so it's yeah it's like clayton's more basic than she is um or i guess more vanilla i should say yeah for sure and and you know like she's just like it's so it's so blanche like this is the same thing with like the widow spencer like she just always is like she has so much um she's so concerned with the perception of her family because it reflects on she's just concerned about with the perception of herself but it's it's sort of reflected by the perception of her family um do you do you want to talk about the banquet? Because I mean, I love the banquet so much. Oh my god, it's so great! <laughs> also, um, was it? I forget. Oh man, I forget who it was. Somebody on Instagram recently was like, you know, the Golden Girls like uh, location scout needs to find a banquet. It's like the exact same like establishing shot of the <laughs> yeah. banquet hall each time. It's perfect. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, it's great. I mean, Sophia's like, you know, hey, uh, Rose, hand me that glass of water. <laughs> and rose like rehearsing her speech to no one (laughs) laughter from the audience it's so funny you know what's so funny so she laughter from the audience is something that i think about and talk about like in my own head all the time like that exact line but it's funny because the first time when she's rehearsing it she says laughter from the crowd which i think is funny because i was like i was watching it and i was like oh did i remember this wrong how did i remember this from and then she says laughter from the audience later and it's great and then sophia (laughs) i have the same note i have the same exact note you do oh my god that's (laughs) hilarious crazy god we're sick (laughs) yeah no i mean but you know it's like it's uh it makes you feel better that you're um 
not crazy that you're remembering the lines correctly. <laughs> I know. I know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, the fire thing is obviously super rude, but it is funny. I really love when she goes, so who's for decaf? <laughs> she, she acknowledges how embarrassing it is. That's so really, it's a really good recoup, I think. And then when Sophia's like, guess we're paying full price for cocktail, Frank. <laughs> like all of the, the bus oh boy, like God. doing that thing with his tongue, like all of them yes, hitting exactly. on Dorothy. When... Oh <laughs> so God. good. I do, I do love when she, uh, Blanche is like, uh, you know, don't worry, they're they're still talking about Dorothy leaving that busboy conga line. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're at the banquet and Clayton, again, like Clayton is so charming and such a good guy. And he's saying this really beautiful toast to Rose. And then Blanche walks in and, <laughs> and then Rose is like, and he's mad at her. Think about what he's going to say about me. <laughs> I like his toast to Blanche better. <laughs> so good. <laughs> What a great setup. Great. But yeah, I mean, he is such a great guy, right? He knows that it's his sister's friend. All, obviously, he also is closer to Rose from last time. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> Very close. Exactly. Uh, we slept together tonight. Um, man, every time I do a Clayton, I feel like it's Foghorn Leghorn. I thought that was a pretty good Clayton. I'll tell you. I do see the... Thank you. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. The common thread, but yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so what else? What else do we cover? Um, what else do I have here? I mean, I do think sometimes people really struggle with how to introduce like a gay companion, like a partner or like a, like, I don't know. I feel like that is another, another piece of coming out is like, sometimes like your parents or something will be like, well, what should I call them when I'm introducing? And like, you know, I think it's easy to just be girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, but sometimes like that is such a hurdle. And like, it's again, like you're coming out again and you're like directing people oh, in a yeah. way that like straight people don't, you don't ever, nobody ever asks like a woman how to introduce like her straight male partner, you know, like it's so. Um, in fact, they would make assumptions. They probably call him exactly. before they, uh, he actually was a boyfriend or something ridiculous like that. Totally. Yeah. Um, but just when, so when Doug is like, he's, or uh, when Clayton's like, he's my, <laughs> I am like, oh, I'd be so curious to know what he would say. But I think he would probably go with special friend at that time. So that's so of the time. My yeah, very, very special friend. <laughs> very. Um. I agree with you that that I'm mad that Rose didn't win. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Goodness, wait a minute! I'm reading to the blind. <laughs> Holy shit! <it's> so good. <laughs> Laughter from the audience. Um, <laughs> holy shit when she is accepting the speech and she the hit that sophia gives rose is like pretty intense you see she like smacks her <laughs> let arm. it go you loser <laughs> <laughs> but it really yeah it's like i mean i do feel very bad for rose especially since they teed her up to be like oh rose is going to accept this award for you come on man give me a break i know it's uh, not right favorite runner up oh god <laughs> yeah it's um... so like you said Rose is also dressed in such a cool way. She's wearing this like glitter, glittery blazer. Ugh, it's really cool. I can't believe they didn't give it to her. I'm, I'm still mad. <laughs> I know. And they also, she also has um like a a pink sweater earlier in the episode. Did you see that? It's really great. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, the, the of, lot of good Rose fashion for this one. <laughs> well, they got to give her something. They're not giving her exactly. the award. I <laughs> know exactly. Oh my god, so funny. I think that's really all I have. I think we sort of we've labeled, uh, you know, we talked about everything. Um, although I will, I will say there is one line that I don't like where it's like, 
oh, maybe they're, you know, why are those like busboys cheering or whatever, you know, the waiters cheering? And it's like, oh, maybe they never saw anyone eat a steak that fast from, from Blanche. It's so funny because it doesn't fit in anything else. Like, I guess the line is an insult to Dorothy. You know, it's like a, a knock on her for no reason of being like not feminine because she ate a steak quickly. Um <laughs> It reminds me of the, like, sorry, I don't have the rolling gait of a nymphomaniac. Like, I'm fucking hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to eat a steak quick, quickly. But it's like, Blanche is not, she doesn't have beef with Dorothy in this episode. The only thing I can think of is that she's just irritated because of the Clayton Doug situation, that she feels better knocking Dorothy down. But to me, it's just weird. It just, like, sort of floats in the middle of that, and it's a totally unnecessary insult. Again, a la the latter stages of this show, just being really mean to Dorothy. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think of that line? Did you pick up on that at all? I What's honestly was just like, it's such a generic line. Like, like not even yeah, a generic, generic line, like a generic insult. Right. right. It's not it about Dorothy. It it's not even about, it's not about like the typical thing she's insulted by, you know, like, yeah, it's, totally. and it's, it's so unnecessary. And like, I did actually, I was like, oh, interesting that they had to come from Blanche. But yeah, I mean, I think she's just yeah, like acting Sophia, out because she's upset. Yeah. 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 Right, exactly. Um, but it's not, it doesn't, it's definitely out of place. Yeah, I thought it was weird. And I think it's, it also stands out because this show's writing is so tight and particularly this episode, right? <laughs> it just seemed like it was like, ah, eh, they sort of pulled this from like, you know, the, the writer insult bucket, except not. So I, I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> Everything is yeah. very strange. <laughs> so. What are you um, gonna do? What are you gonna do? Exactly. The only other thing I want to say is when they're back after the banquet and Clayton, it's another just like Clayton really standing up for himself when he's like, um, when Blanche says, I guess I deserve that. And he's like, Yeah, I guess oh, you do. Yeah. He's like, it's he's really you know, good. God loves me for who I am, not who he wishes I were or wants me to be. Boom. Oof. Boom, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. It's so great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, I, you know, again, like, I think they both, and like, again, Doug, when she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him, which is also like a hilarious, like Blanche technique. Ugh, why does she do that? I hate I that. Know, it's <laughs> so rude. It's because she still needs like the upper hand with her baby brother. You know what I mean? Like, I, I that's, I know exactly why she does it. It's just so rude, but I love that he's like, okay. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, she does that with is... Margaret Spencer too. It's not. She I hate does, it. Exactly. It's so stupid. It's really a, a dumb. It's like a rude, very rude trope for people to do. But I love that Doug is like very like. All right, what what do you have to say to me? You know, like you're being a dick to my future husband. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you want me to do, lady? <laughs> it's really, it's really. Funny. Any anyway, snores. <laughs> I, I I respect Doug so hard in this episode. It's great. He did. A yeah, job. he's awesome. <laughs> anyway that's all i got for this one but it's you know obviously ripe with fodder and really really groundbreaking in so many different ways and it's just also yeah it's it's worthy of discussion today clearly we've been talking for a while <laughs> yeah i agree it's a great one <laughs> awesome all right well join us next time we're going to discuss who's better tony bennett or tony martin <laughs> take care everybody <laughs>